Chapter 1 of The Homesteader. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jeff Blanchard. The Homesteader by Oscar Mugeau. Epoch the Third. Chicago. The Boomerang. The Reverend McCarthy had scored. He had succeeded in separating his daughter from the man she married. The fact that there was positively no misunderstanding between the two was not seen or considered by him. Jean-Baptiste had opposed him, and that was enough. He hated any member of his household, or any one related to the one of his household who dare disagree with him. Of course, His Majesty did not see it that way. He saw himself as the most saintly man in the world, and sympathized with himself accordingly. No man thought himself more unjustly abused than did N. Justine McCarthy. But there were other things to complete. He had not willfully participated in what had just passed. In fact, he had not meant to part the couple at all. He prided himself with having some judgment. He was merely undertaking that which in a way had grown common to him, the task of getting even. Now he had estimated that he knew Jean-Baptiste, although studying characters and their natural tendencies had not been part of his theme in life. He felt, albeit, that he had this one's tender spot clearly before him. To begin with, he put himself right with his own conscience by believing that Baptiste was a vain, selfish character bent on one purpose, getting rich. He concluded, because he wished to, that Baptiste did not, and had never, loved Orlean. The fact that Orlean had not said anything to the contrary did not matter. He was her father, and therefore predicated and privileged to think and act for her. That was why he had always been of so much service, such fatherly help, he was protecting his daughter from the cruelty of men. But how had he planned it all? Now, that hard-headed rascal, meaning, of course, his son-in-law, is not going to lay down. Oh, no! My poor girl has that claim. He does not want her, but he does want the claim. To hold the claim, he must have her, and have her back on the claim. He's all war now, but when he realises that to lose her is to lose the claim into the bargain. Oh, well, I'll just sit right down at home here and wait. Yes, I'll wait. He'll be coming along. And when he appears here, then I'll bend his ornery will into the right way of seeing things. So thereupon he took up his vigil, waiting for Jean-Baptiste to put in his appearance but for some reason the other had not hastened to Chicago as soon as the elder had anticipated he would. Three weeks had been consumed in the trip west, so he was somewhat behind in his church work. While it was true that the minister in some of the towns in his itinerary collected from members at the quarterly conference and sent the money to him, on the other hand, if he expected to get what was due him in any great measure, it was highly necessary that he be there in person. Accordingly, the time he spent in Chicago, waiting for the coming of his son-in-law, 
that might have the satisfaction of bending the other to his will began to grow long and irksome moreover if he sat at home he was obliged to meet and greet the many visitors who called to see his sick daughter more largely of course for the purpose of securing information for gossip but compelling him therefore to make or offer some explanation and here arose another phase of the case that was not pleasant following jean baptiste's marriage to orleans and after the reverend had paid them his first visit he had said a great deal in praise of his rich son-in-law that he was so extremely vain was why he had done this it had tickled his vanity to have the people see his daughter marry so well since it was well known about chicago that jean baptiste was very successful when the elder had boasted to the people he met of the rich man his daughter had married he wrote telling the young couple of it to be referred to as rich he conjectured should have flattered any man's vanity it would have his and he estimated that he was doing baptiste a great favor when he had let him know that he the elder was advertising him as rich but the same had brought no response from that one he had been too busy to take any interest in being praised and even after the elder had made his first visit and returned and told of the wonders his daughter had married into he still hoped this would soften baptiste's disposition into praising and fawning upon him it was not until baptiste had returned the money he had sent his daughter for railway fare the christmas before that the reverend had thrown down the gauntlet and declared war so the very thing he had played up a few months before came back now to annoy him because he had never lived as he should have it was proving a boomerang he had made a practice of pretending not to hear what was being said about him by others but he could not seal his ears to the fact that people were asking themselves and everybody else what had happened to his daughter or between his daughter and the rich son-in-law this was very uncomfortable it was very annoying it was reported that he was compelled to go out west and get her and it was exasperating to explain all without making it seem that what he had said a few months before was boast pure and simple yeah all you could hear a few months ago was that rich man orlean had married yeah mr mac would make it his business to get around so you had to ask him about them then he'd swell up like a big frog and tell all about it then of a sudden he jumps up and goes out there and brings her back um now i wonder what is the matter during these times those of the household had little peace with impatience over baptiste's not showing up so he could read him the riot act and his work being neglected with having to listen to no end of gossip that his meddling had brought about he became the most obstinate problem imaginable about the house all the love he had pretended for orlean while on the claim was now changed to severe chastisement he no longer fondled and wasted hours over her she had no longer the convenient check-book the fact that she had had to have a little medicine and that she also had to have other necessities that she had to eat and the most of this he was forced to provide made him so irritable that those near 
prayed for the day when he would leave but if jean baptiste would only come so that he could say to him what he had planned to say just to have the opportunity to bend that stubborn will that would be sufficient to repay him for all he was now actually sacrificing as for little mother mary these were the darkest days of her never happy married life of all the men she had met or known she had truly admired and loved jean baptiste more than any other in truth it was her disposition to be frank kind and truthful she dearly loved her son-in-law for his manly frank and kind disposition she trusted him and knowing that orlean was of her disposition weak and subservient to the will of those near she had been relieved to feel that she had married the kind of man that would be patient and love a person with such a disposition she had been sincere in her praise of him to her many friends she had told of him to everybody she knew or met so much so indeed that the reverend on his last trip west in his daily rebuke then he said and mary has just sickened me with telling everybody she meets about jean ethel had joined with him in this the truth was that when her mother had sung her praise to the people regarding jean baptiste there was nothing left to say about glavis but more especially about the elder what the reverend was forced to endure at this time he promptly of course charged to the indiscretions of jean baptiste if he had not done this or if he had done that the elder would not have been forced to endure such annoyance if he would only show up with his practical ideas in chicago every morning when the doorbell rang he listened eagerly for the voice of his son-in-law he watched the mail and in assorting the letters looked anxiously for the western postmark but a week passed and no letter and no jean baptiste then at the end of two weeks the same prevailed and at the end of three weeks he knew he would have to go to work or reckon with the bishop so on tuesday of the following week the elder left for his work and that same afternoon jean baptiste arrived in chicago end of chapter one epoch the third chicago the boomerang